welcome to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. Every week, decisions are made across Maine that affect the future of our environments. Lawmakers in Augusta propose or debate new bills. Mainers speak up on proposals made by corporations or state agencies. Clean energy projects are launched, or communities take action to address threats to clean air or water or open spaces that they cherish. Since 1959, NRCM has been on the front lines, tracking these developments and tapping into the power of Maine people, science, and the law. NRCM does this to protect and enhance the nature of Maine. So every two weeks, we'll sit down with advocates and experts to discuss some of the most important stories you need to know about and what lies ahead. Thank you for listening as we share our view from the front lines. Well, Maine's legislature has officially adjourned until January 2022. And a little further south, down in D.C., discussions over federal infrastructure investment continue to play out. Uh, I'm Colin Durant, NRCM's Advocacy Communications Director. And we're joined today by a very special guest, our federal program director, Emmy Taberge, to discuss the infrastructure debate and what it means for Maine. Uh, But first, uh, just a few quick updates from Augusta. And the first one is so important. Let me just try to do some sound effects here. Drum roll. It's official. Maine has just joined 40 other jurisdictions across the world in holding big corporations accountable for the packaging waste they're creating. So a huge congrats to Sarah Nichols and Chrissy and the Sustainable Maine team who worked to make that happen. Uh, that EPR for packaging law happened. There's a lot on our website if you want to learn more. Um, So also on the same day that Governor Mills announced she was uh, signing the EPR bill, she also announced she was vetoing a bill that we've talked about here that would have allowed voters to have their say on a consumer-owned utility. Obviously has implications for how we get our energy, um, uh, how Maine's tackling climate. And so it looks like the next step for that might be going to the ballot. Uh, box if, if supporters can get um, enough signatures. And um, I also lastly want to note in their last day of session, um, lawmakers approved and Governor Mills uh, signed uh, into law a plan for using the first sort of segment of federal recovery funds, uh, most notably um, for both state park maintenance, which is huge. Uh, there's a huge backlog for that and 50 million for energy efficiency projects that are going to reduce um, energy bills for Maine people. Okay, so let's switch gears to what we're here to talk about, to DC and Congress. First, Emmy, thanks again for joining us. How's it going? Great, thanks for having awesome. me. Yeah, of course. Um, so in DC, Republicans or Democrats are locked in discussions about the scope of federal infrastructure investments. Emmy, can you just uh, start by giving us a lay of the land here? What's been proposed, and in particular, Um, I know you work with them a lot. What's the role that Maine's congressional delegation is playing? Yeah, so the White House and Congress have been discussing federal infrastructure investment plans since March, when the president announced an ambitious plan that would create new good paying jobs, repair aging infrastructure, reduce pollution that harms our health, and expand clean energy development, all with a focused investment in rural and underserved communities. And then over the spring and the start of the summer, a bipartisan group of senators, including Maine's own Senator Collins and Senator King, 
negotiated a more moderate, uh, modest uh, infrastructure deal with the White House. And this deal uh, demonstrates bipartisan common ground on some key issues and would provide substantial benefits to states like Maine, but it doesn't go nearly far enough to make the investments scientists tell us are necessary to address the climate crisis. We know that there's much more that needs to be done to ensure states like Maine have the resources to tackle the many challenges our communities are facing, including climate change. Yeah, so thanks for that. And let's talk about those many challenges. I know the, you know, one of the biggest questions um, is what infrastructure actually means. Can you give us, you know, as you're advocating and doing your work, what is NRCM's definition of infrastructure? What should we be investing in? For us, investing in modern infrastructure means a lot of things, including investing in reliable, modernized public transit in both rural and urban parts of our state, promoting re renewable energy and electric grid reliability and modernization, expanding the affordability of electric cars and trucks, and increasing access to charging infrastructure statewide. Of course, it also means repairing roads and bridges uh, with the safety of all users in mind, including pedestrians and cyclists. It also means lowering energy costs for homeowners and businesses by investing in weatherization and energy efficiency, cleaning up Maine's rivers, lakes, and ocean waters by investing in wastewater and stormwater treatment infrastructure, ensuring that every Mainer has access to clean, safe drinking water pipes, uh, definitely bringing high-speed broadband internet to rural Maine, uh, redeveloping contaminated brownfield sites, and uh, finally also investing in nature-based infrastructure, including our natural resources um, here in Maine. Nice, that's a good list, all important things. Um, I wanna just sort of drill down on Maine a little bit more. Um, I know in June, NRCM joined more than 70 other organizations, local businesses, municipalities, in calling for you know, a bigger, bolder infrastructure investment. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that's right, Colin. And uh, you can view the letter at investinmainjobs.org. Uh, you'll see there there's a great breadth and depth of support for a bold transformational in federal invest, uh, infrastructure investment, and that the letter was signed by people from diverse sectors and geographic areas across Maine, from Madawaska to York and from Achayas to Bethel. Nice. That's awesome. Can you just give us, um, like, a, a few stories from the signatories to that letter. I know Josh, who's, you know, our outreach coordinator was also getting vi video testimonials, which you can see on that website, investinmainjobs.org. So can you just give us a few of your favorite stories from the people's, uh, from the voices we heard? Sure. Yeah, I can share a few examples. Um, Galen Wibley, who's the director of economic development for the city of Presque Isle, talk to us about how excited they are about the prospect of funding to expand electric vehicle charging infrastructure and broadband internet across Northern Maine. Jess Maurer, who's with the Maine Council on Aging, talked about how older Mainers really need access to weatherization services and enhanced public transit options. Paul Toll with the Aroostook Partnership talked about the importance of modernizing our electric grid uh, to more effectively tap renewable energy development in Maine. And uh, Richard Angadi, who's uh, from Millinocket, shared his support for the federal infrastructure package in its entirety because small rural communities across Maine are struggling with maintaining modern infrastructure. So we definitely have heard um, a lot of different types of stories from Mainers all across the state, um, really covering that breadth of 
federal in investment in infrastructure that we're calling for. Yeah, the, that's one of the things I love about the letter and the site. It really gives you sort of a snapshot and a picture at what people, um, not just in one part of the state or representing one interest, but like uh, across a whole breadth of issues and certainly every, you know, across geographic span of Maine too. So that's, that's a really, I think it just speaks to the importance of an investment like this. Um, I think we, let's just end with a simple question. Um, of all the many issues, and there are um, and there are many being debated on the federal level, why is NRCM wading into this issue in particular? What why does it matter, and what can people do to get involved? Yeah, so NRCM has long advocated for climate action at the federal level, um, and right now the stakes could not be higher. Congress must act um, now to make sure that these uh, transformative investments to tackle the climate crisis and transition to clean energy. Um, if Congress fails to enact solutions that match the severity of the climate crisis, communities across the country, including here in Maine, will be left to pay the cost of inaction. Uh, we're hearing that there will be likely key votes on infrastructure before Congress breaks for August recess, so now really is the right time to take a moment to reach out to Maine's congressional delegation and urge them to support bold climate investments. And we, we are saying that any infrastructure package that Congress puts forward must include bold plans to tackle the climate crisis and transition to clean energy. So you can find the contact information for Maine's congressional delegation on our website at nrcm.org. Nice, and, and you know, it, it because it's such a, the uh, infrastructure has been such a big thing, I know the devil is gonna be in the details um, so I know we're going to be continuing to following it. Thanks for this insight, Emmy. Um, as Emmy mentioned, you know, you can check out our social media, which is at NRCM environment, um, or sign up for our emails at nrcm.org to keep updated. And we're going to be sure to keep our supporters updated. Um, Emmy, I'm going to throw in one last surprise question for you. Um, you grew up in Maine, you live here in Maine, you're doing awesome things for Maine here at NRCM. I'm just, and you've explored a ton of Maine. So what is your, what is one of your favorite places in Maine to go visit um, with your family? Or maybe if you, if you escape your family by yourself, <laughs> but what's one of, one of, what's one of those outdoor places that's a go-to place for you? Uh, well, I guess this is top of mind. Um, because uh, I was just there over the weekend. Uh, my husband and I uh, were lucky enough to get reservations at Chimney Pond in Baxter. Um, so spent the weekend there without our two toddler boys and uh, spent the day hiking the mountain and enjoying that beautiful part of the state. So my God, fantastic that I, I went there a couple of years ago, too. It's just it's such a um, it never gets old, right? It's one of those places in Maine that you could just visit over and over again. Um, well, that's it for now. Thanks again, Emmy, for joining us. Um, and as we head into the summer, the legislative news is certainly going to slow down. But as always, there's going to be a ton of action outside of Augusta or maybe in Augusta, too, uh, to keep you up to date with. So we'll be sure to do that through the podcast and all the other ways we do that. But in the meantime, I hope everyone um, gets to enjoy their summer and uh, get to explore somewhere like Chimney Pond. Uh, new in the next coming weeks. Thanks again, Emmy. Thanks, Colin. Thank you for listening to Maine Environment Frontline Voices. 
If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to our podcast or leave a review on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and other podcast listening apps. To learn more about NRCM, please visit nrcm.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NRCM Environment. Until next time, thanks for your interest, attention, and involvement in the collective efforts by Maine people to protect the unique woods, waters, and wildlife of our state. Thanks again.